Welcome back to another episode of Inside Voices, a teacher podcast where we discuss all things education, from teacher well-being to teaching beyond the textbook. I'm your host, David. And I'm Laura. And remember, in here, we use our Inside Voices. So on today's episode, we're going to be discussing classroom management, behaviour management, that kind of thing. So kicking us right off, what was the worst thing you got in trouble for in school, Laura? You'll be um, unsurprised to know I was actually very well behaved in school. I I didn't really get into trouble for much, to be honest. Um, But the one that sticks out to me is primary school. I think it was primary five or primary six. And we had a supply teacher in, you know... You know the drill, if there's a supply teacher in when you're a child, you automatically think, it's not my teacher, so I can get away with things, right? Or if you're in America, a sub. Mm. I don't know why I took the persona of I was going to turn into a little bad girl this one day. (laughs) This is like my one opportunity. I don't know why I did this. And peak primary school humor, I decided to get the whole class involved. This was, everyone was doing it. And I decided to tell everyone that when I took my jumper off, everybody needed to copy me. (laughs) (laughs) Don't know why. So, so it was like a signal around yeah, the class. Okay. It was like a horseshoe classroom and we all moved seats. As of course. Um, couldn't get away with that now because my seating plan is on my wall. So don't try it. Mm-hmm. But I took my jumper off and then everyone took theirs off and then I put it back on and everyone put it back on. And we just did this the whole lesson. And I truly thought we were getting away with it. Honestly thought genius, peak humor, so funny. 10 out of 10 and I got roasted the following day by my teacher and my head teacher wow I was sobbing Mm -hmm. sobbing because they were threatening to phone my mum they never did my mum still doesn't know sorry okay (laughs) confession time confession (laughs) Um, still doesn't know but I was hysterically crying I was so apologetic so that was the only time really that I mm. did anything wrong but I feel like you might have a different answer to that no I was I was good in school I again I had a mum who was a teacher so I was kind of terrified of getting in trouble we in primary school built roller coasters right it was a big science project I'm not even joking the school did it every year in primary six primary six did roller coasters that was their thing and I was buzzing about this it was honestly amazing and we built them out of lollipop sticks so you know like the kind of 10 centimeter lollipop stick wooden and you had these and they were huge you had these massive big frames um and ours was a water slide and it was called wait for this it was called h2o <laughs> i'm not even joking i actually like that that's I, very I, I creative and i'm gutted that i didn't come up with it someone in our group came up with it but anyway we were trusted with glue guns and the lot, like we had everything, we had all the gear. And a girl in my class who I actually have not seen in years, but a girl in my class got a paintbrush and we were having a disagreement about something and we were painting our blue H2O at this point and we were painting it and everything. And she, we had a disagreement about something because I was bossy and such a control freak. And she painted my shirt, <gasps> like just painted it like that and in a moment of madness I grabbed the glue gun (laughs) and started chasing her around the room like genuinely running around the table and I don't know what I thought I was going to do because it was plugged into the wall so obviously (laughs) unplugged and I was like chasing around with like a cold glue gun I don't know what actually I thought was going to happen there and that was the only time I ever got golden time taken off I got five minutes off my golden time and the two of us had to sit me and this girl and I just felt so hard done by. And I think things have changed in 
like since we were in school, I've mentioned golden time. I don't know if you had golden time. Yeah, we, we had golden time on a Friday. It was half an hour. You got to basically do whatever you wanted in this half an hour. But if you were bad during the week, you could get your golden time removed. So I got five minutes taken off. It was always like a five minute increment. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, as, was there anything like when you were at school that was like a kind of behavior management thing that yeah, we had the charts. So we had uh-huh. like the traffic light right. charts. So, you know, you're on green, you're on orange, you're on red. And I remember one time I was standing in the line trying to go wherever we're going, lunch or break or gym, I don't know. And I was being a little bit of a, a silly goose in the line and got moved to orange. And red was when you got all of your golden time taken off you. Oh, so wow, we didn't have extreme. like five minutes. We did, You didn't get a sweet at the end of the week as well if you were on red. Mm. So everybody else got a sweetie at the end in the line going out on a Friday. And I remember this so clearly. And I turned into my friend after being put on orange. And I remember saying, how funny would it be if I got caught speaking again and got moved to red? And my teacher just instantly caught me and moved me to red. And I was devastated. Yeah, And it was just... But it's one of those, it's so embarrassing, isn't it? Like, mm-hmm. I remember that as a child and I was well over 10 years ago now. Yep. And I still remember that. And I remember that sort of sinking feeling and how awful I felt going out on a Friday, which should be a really positive time of the week mm-hmm. because everyone else had like, and it was one of those little like hard boiled sweets. And it's something so tiny, but I'm looking at everybody else in the line with theirs. And I've had mine taken off me because I spoke twice in a line. Yeah. And I, you've had a good week. The and rest of my week moment. was good. And in that one moment, because our school had a rule, you couldn't, if you were on red, you couldn't bring it back. Oh, you couldn't. So I don't even know what day of the week this happened on. Yeah. So I don't know if it was near the end of the week, but you couldn't go back from that. Okay. So if you were red on Monday, you were red for the whole week. And I just remember there was always a couple of children in my class in primary school who were like defined as sort of the bad boys who were just on red yeah, all the on time. Monday. And that was it uh-huh. every single week. And I just remember seeing my name up there Beside with them. them. And I was like... <laughs> you know, that internal panic, but it does really dip someone's confidence, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Like as silly as it sounds being put on red, it totally does. Yeah. So like golden time was a thing when I was at school, but to be honest, we started teaching about six years ago, five years ago, something like that. And we were talking about this the other day, classroom management and behavior management, I would say across the UK, at least, I don't know if it's the same in America, in the West, I'd, I'm not sure. It seems to kind of maybe come from Scandinavia, but but classroom management has completely changed mm-hmm. since we started teaching it. And we've only been teaching five, six years. Yeah. So what do you think, well, before we get into like the biggest change, what were your classroom management strategies when you started teaching? Because mine were the traffic lights. I put warning stickers or whatever, warning sheets on people's desks. Mm-hmm. So if someone was acting out or calling out or chatting too much or not on task or misbehaving in any way I kind of just put a warning card down and then that was like a yellow card in football and then if they got a red card that's when their names started to move on this massive big traffic light sheet in front of the class I don't know if you had something similar very similar and very very similar situation there but that was something I found really hard in my first year as a teacher as a teacher because I wanted to be liked (laughs) I have this like just needs desire to be liked by everyone. Okay, but this everyone, isn't therapy. <laughs> <laughs> everyone does, I suppose, but I wanted to be liked. And in my first year teaching, I thought being liked was also the same as kind of not letting them away with things, but having okay. less 
rules, I guess, and sort of saying, oh, I'll let that slide, I'll let that slide. And you think that's your route to, obviously, we spoke a few weeks ago about relationships being the heart of everything. And in my head, in my first few years, I was like, relationships, how do I build a relationship? Well, I get them to like me and I get them to like me by, you know, not getting them in trouble, letting them do what they want. And not that my class were running riot, they weren't, but I found those conversations where you were getting someone into trouble really difficult to do. And it would be little things Mm -hmm. like they hadn't done their homework in three weeks. As a teacher, I need to have that conversation and find out what's going on. You know, homework's a whole different debate, but I need to still have that conversation firstly to make sure everything's okay Mm -hmm. and make sure they're doing okay. But I found those conversations difficult because I wanted to be liked by them because I thought that's how I would get my behavior management down. I would get my relationships down. And that just wasn't the case because I've learned now that building relationships doesn't come from just being a likable person, you know, and being a likable person also isn't just letting them away with things. You're actually more likable if you have, if you have that true relationship, which I think takes time. You can still speak to them when they're not acting in the way that you need them to, Mm -hmm. but also you're still liked, you know, it's the whole letting them away with things doesn't go hand in hand with the behavior management, but totally like you said we had traffic lights at the start when I started teaching and now there's none of that there's no sort of visual of behavior it's very much in the teacher's head and it's very much what the teacher's views are it's not visible for everyone yeah and I think before we start discussing kind of current strategies and things like that I think before we start looking at teacher tips and what we do that works in our classroom and what maybe others could look at you've touched on the the fundamentals there of what classroom management actually is and you could have every strategy in place and not have good classroom management you could have you know the you could have read all the books and you could have you you have the best restorative practice and you have this this and this and this but actually because you've not got any respect with your students and because you've not got any um rapport with them or any kind of basis as you're saying you're trying to be liked too much that all flies out the window like there's Mm -hmm. there's basic stuff so Obviously, you've spoken about relationships there and respect being kind of the core of those things. And you touched on it with respect, which is interesting. I think as my as a teacher in my first year, I took it personally when children misbehaved. Mm-hmm. So when, and I'm saying misbehaved, when they weren't on task or when they acted out because that's what children do. Like they are, we are shaping them into like responsible people and young adults. So they are going to make mistakes every single day with that. And there's 30 of them in front of you and they are working out all these social interactions whilst trying to learn new content. Like it's actually crazy when you think about everything that goes on. And I started to take it personally. Mm -hmm. So I thought that because this child was fighting with another child or because this child was gossiping about someone else that that was a slight on me as a teacher and oh they must not respect me um and I I didn't get hurt by it in my first year teaching but it used to like weigh on me a little bit more than it does now because with experience you realize that all children are pretty much the same generally they all kind of have these social interactions and they actually need to make those mistakes that they're making yeah and without those mistakes, I think um, you would just be in a class of robots. Like you wouldn't actually be teaching young humans. Yeah. And not to take it personally is the key. 
Absolutely. I don't know if you agree with that. Maybe that's just me thinking about it too much. No, I, I totally agree with you. And I think also that comes from that is you have to remember you're the adult in the room yep. and you're the adult in the situation. And I think that's very difficult, especially if you're new to teaching. Your initial response is if someone's not doing what you asked, you're used to adults who do what you ask within reason, mm-hmm. obviously, or you could have a conversation about it. And I, I don't have children. I've got nephews. So I had a bit of experience with that, but not really. So especially as a young and experienced teacher when I came in, if a child would just not do what was asked, my instant response was to kind of, like you said, take it personally and get defensive and mm-hmm. be like, what do you mean? No, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't understand. And I think when you take the step back, you have to remember you're the adult in that situation. You're not going to get into a power struggle over that. You need to be able to firstly adapt to every child because... You know, you kind of said most children generally are you know, very similar, mm-hmm. but also you've got a lot of children who's who maybe a neurodivergent learner or a child with ASD. The way that their brains are responding to situations are completely different and you have to allow your response to be different as okay. well. Yeah. You know, you, you can't possibly, I mean, I spoke about this in the first episode, when you say active listening, you can't possibly expect every child sitting in front of you to show that in the same way because some might find eye contact really difficult. Yep. Some might find it really hard to sit on the carpet for lengths of time. Some might prefer to sit in their seats because they don't like being in crowded spaces. Some don't like the noise. They have to sit further away. You have to understand that. And I think in my first year teaching, I just didn't I didn't really pay that much attention to that. Yep. I just, like you said, took it personally and thought, I'm doing a bad job because this is the response I'm getting. Whereas when you realize that and you can adapt your responses and you cannot take it personally and realize you're the adult in the room, your perspective of it shifts completely. Yeah, totally. Uh, so so we've talk, talked kind of like about, you've mentioned a lot, relationships being the foundation of classroom management and behavior management and remembering that you're the adult in the room, you're setting the boundaries, you're setting the expectations. So in my first week of teaching, that's basically all I do every year as I set my expectations, we practice them over and over and over again. And I've had to do this in the last week or so. You have to re- return to that quite often. And so you're not expecting them to be perfect because they are learning. They are human. They are going to make mistakes. So in terms of like things that you do well or things that you think work in your practice, what would be one thing that works for classroom management for you like what is the one thing that you think okay if I took that out of my practice my classroom would fall apart I think it's very very clear expectations and boundaries with the children but being open about that okay and how do you set them out like let's get really specific like in your daily practice rather than like so if I was a new teacher listening to this I'd be like what can I do or if I was a struggling teacher and my class was not where I wanted it to be like what could you do every day I learned this the hard way last year because I changed stages and I was used to primary seven older students and I went down the school. And they're kind of 11, 12 years yeah. old. Yeah. So now, you know, seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds, it's it's very different. It's a whole different kettle of fish. So I was used to primary sevens coming up who could, I could say, right, you know how to walk around the school by now. And they did. And yes, you still need to model it. But now I'm used to a completely different sort of age group it's things like you don't take for granted that they understand what your expectation is. Mm-hmm. So we, for example, 
literally got up out of our seats and practiced walking down the stairs on the left-hand side and then looping around and coming back up on the left-hand side so they could see that's why we walk on the left so everyone can get by, whether you're going up or down. And we did that twice. We looped around and that might seem so silly to do because it's walking down the stairs on the left. You know how to do that, but actually don't take for granted they do know how to do that. Okay. And also go very slow with your expectations. I think I see sometimes on social media and on tips, set your expectations from the start, yes, but I also see sometimes put all your expectations on a slide. So here's how we line up. Here's how we do this. Here's how we do that. That for me does not work, especially in my brain as well. That wouldn't work for me because I would be switched off if I was reading that. I need to physically do it. I need to be physically shown how to do it. Hmm. And you've mentioned it before that you say, okay, I want a silent work environment. But what does that actually mean? Yep. You know, model it, show it and stick to your expectations. Because again, coming back to that, I wanted to be liked. I would give an expectation. I would just let them kind of push the boundary, push it, push it, push it until it was just completely opposite of what I actually was looking for. Mm-hmm. So if I say, okay, we're lining up. And if I hear people talking on the way down and disrupting other classes, because we have open plans. So you you can't be talking in the line, especially if another class are trying to work. It's so distracting. So I would say in my first year, anyone talking, we're going to go back to our seats, but I would never do it because I'd go, oh, I don't want them to miss their gym and I don't want them to, mm-hmm. you know, be a wee bit late for lunch because yeah. they won't like me. Whereas now if I say that, we're turning around. We are going back to our seats. We are doing what I have said every single time. And that might seem very pedantic, but it works. It works for me. It mm-hmm. works for my students. And it gets to the point where you don't actually need to turn around you know in the first couple of weeks I don't know how many times we turned <laughs> like around dizzy. <laughs> yeah I don't know how many times we turned around or sat down or yeah. whatever it was mm-hmm. but now we don't need to yeah so it does work and I think what you're saying there is correcting but I think the flip of that coin so you're saying every time we get something wrong we correct it mm-hmm. because we need to know how to do it but the flip of that coin is you need to praise it when you see it so for example, you said about the silent working environment. Anytime my class in the first few weeks match that ex- expectation, I, s- I stop them and I say, okay, that is the level I'm looking for when I say silent work. Now I might have, we can talk about tips, like you might have a, a sign or a light, like you've got lights in your class for mm-hmm. different things. And that's all how you enforce it in a sense or how you back it up. But actually when you're saying to them verbally, that's my expectation when I want silent work and I'm going to praise you for it right now, because that's you've met that expectation and in their head they're thinking okay this is the environment that we should be thinking when he says silent work or when i say okay partner work that means a low voice um you're not distracting the class next door because we'd open plan as well but you still have to work with your partner the class isn't getting crazy we have a, a kind of low working environment and when i get to that i stop them and i say okay well done that's what i'm looking for and then we can go back if it gets out of hand, we stop and we say, oh, remember when you were working at that low working voice? Let's get back to that. Yeah. Okay. And you can use different tools to do that. So we've used like voice recognition things on the board. I There's lots of different though, things. Yeah. Then you get people who cough. Yeah. Or, you know, they've all they've all developed a cough in the last five minutes because they want to hear the, yeah. you know, it's called the bouncy balls one that 
the where they can change like eyeballs and stuff. And oh it yeah, says shh every time they go above it. I know, but every two seconds it's like, it's like shh. Yeah, because someone's got a cough. Someone's just got to <laughs> yeah. drop their water bottle because they want to hear that. So I, I or actually, it's me giving instructions. I'm like, oh yeah, can yeah. you just? And it's like, shh. I actually don't like those things because they just every class I've tried to use it for, they want yeah. to hear the shush. They want it because it's interesting. Yeah, we've kind of trial trial and errored quite a few things, but that I think is really key. You you correct when you need to correct. And you're, you're really rigid with that and disciplined with it. And you also praise when you need to mm-hmm. praise in those first couple of weeks. But you have to do that all year. Yeah. It's never, for me, classroom management never gets to the point where it's perfect. It always no. peaks and troughs. So around Christmas time, it's like, forget it. You know, <laughs> when you're coming up to summer, it's like that just goes completely out the window. But you need to constantly be... Like you need to constantly basically be on top of it. Yeah. I think, I think when you're saying about correction as well, it's positive correction and it's positive reinforcement. So not, for example, naming names. If you're looking for people to be focused and ready, you could say, okay, I could see most people are ready. I'm still waiting on five people to be ready. And you don't have to specifically name people because most of the time they know. Mm-hmm. And then you see that shift and you see that correction. But also if then statements work really well. So you said about, you know, we're working well then so quite often I'll say if we work silently for five minutes then I will open up the flexible seating then I will put the music on mm-hmm. then I will let you sit next to a friend then I will so I always do that in my class and I set the five minutes and straight away that sets the expectation of here's the silent atmosphere I'm looking for now that you've got it I can let some people work outside yep. or I can you know do something that makes that a little bit give gives them sort of a motive as well a bit of motivation to yep. to want to do that so talking teacher tips right if i was to give one piece of advice to a teacher it would be have visuals mm-hmm. i think that would be my piece of advice so what i mean by that is not every learner can remember all of your instructions yeah so we've spoken about learners with asd we've spoken about neurodivergent learners and things like that but just generally not every learner can remember 10 instructions in a row. Some are really good at it, um, but not all of them are. So what I do is when I've got an expectation for noise level, I'll have that on my slide. I'll have my board up. And there's so many websites that you can use nowadays. Classroom screen has one inbuilt. Um, You can even just do a laminated sticker or a light, like you've got lights above your board. Some kind of visual that lets them know this is the expectation that we are working to. I think really helps with classroom management in a work environment. If you had one tip, like an actual, this is what I can do to enforce it. This is a product I can use. This is a a thing that I can tomorrow go and put into my class. What would you? I think be consistent and certainly model your expectations every single time. Okay. That's more probably for the younger ones but be very consistent with what you're doing. Like you said, a visual works well, especially in the younger ones, they buy into that quite mm-hmm. a lot. So minds are quite invested in what colours the voice level going to be and decide together as well. So mm-hmm. my voice level posters are kind of colour coordinated. I have just little lights you stick onto the wall in certain places around the room. So it's a visual from all aspects of the room as well. It's not just at the front and there's one light. And we'll say together, what voice level do we think this is? It's a whisper task. It's a silent task. Is it partner chat? Is it What is it? Mm-hmm. And then I change the color of my lights based on that. Now, you don't need to go and spend money to do that. Like you said, you could have a laminated thing. You could have it on your slide. A visual is always good for a reminder because you can also bring them back to it every single time. So be consistent, a good visual. And also remember, 
it changes every day, every year, every class, you know, it changes constantly. What's going to work today and yeah. what's going to work next week and just stick with what's working at that time. Yeah, I think that's a really good point that um, something that works with one learner one day doesn't necessarily work with them the next day. And you have to be open to changing your practice and have an arsenal of of strategies to use with that learner, whether it is you use your restorative practice in that moment, which we've not really touched on, but we kind of have um whether you use your restorative practice and you come in and you kneel down next to them and you have that conversation or whether it is that it has kind of a situation has expanded with, you know, behaviours that you wouldn't expect in your class. Um, and, and then you need to have that conversation later on with that child and with always with the view of bringing them back and integrating them into the class and making them be a part. Because you said at the start, it can be a big shame thing for them if they're, you know, pointed yeah. out uh, in front of the class and things like that. So there's that whole aspect of it. Or do you need to have quite a stern chat with yeah. a child because you know they're going to respond to a quick one minute. This is not what I expect of you. You're not reaching the standards that you set for yourself. Boom, let's get back in. And you need to be aware of that as a professional. It takes time. Absolutely. It takes time with every single class. Yes, so my advice to teachers is it's hard out there. It is difficult to manage a class of 30 people that are making mistakes constantly, that some of them don't want to be there, that some of them are um, that maybe don't like you. Yeah. <laughs> some of them that maybe don't like learning or don't like learning a specific thing and are going to act out. But there are strategies and things out there that we can put in place and as you said, be really consistent with them yeah. from from the beginning. And don't take it personally. And don't take it personally. Thanks for watching this week's episode of Inside Voices. Remember to come back next week for our next episode of Beyond the Textbook. And remember, in here, we use our inside voices. <laughs>